Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of the 4040 Vision podcast, the ultimate sports history pod where hindsight is 4040. Before we get started, let's pay some bills and hear from our presenting sponsors. Oh uh, yeah. I get around. Still clown with the underground when we come around. Stronger than ever. Back to get wrecked. All respect to those who break their neck to keep their the check. Cause no they sweat a brother majorly. And I don't know why your girl keeps paging me. She tell me that she needs me. Cries when she leaves me. And every time she sees me, she squeeze me. Ladies, take it easy. Hate to sound sleazy, but tease me. I don't want it if it's that easy. Hey, yo, bust it. Baby, got a problem saying bye-bye. Just another hazard of a fly guy. Your ass why don't matter. My pockets got fatter. Now everybody's looking for the ladder. And ain't no need in being greedy. You want to see me down keep a number, baby, when you need it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 4040 Vision Podcast. I'm your host, Khaled Abdallah, and I'm joined by my co-host, Osama Dahoud. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Right. Uh, so today we're discussing the top five what if moments in San Francisco 49ers history. So the idea here is we're talking about real 50-50 coin flip type moments, not so much uh, you know pie in the sky situations. So the idea is we are talking about what could have been um, in some of the, the key moments in, in 49ers history. Uh, so this is a, a great pod for you NFL nerds and uh, anyone that's that's into sports history. So I think uh, without further ado, I think we can dive right in to uh, number one on the list. So I'll pass it over to you, uh, Asama, for uh, the uh, number one. Yeah, thanks, man. This was exciting because I'm a 49ers fan. Um, and a lot of this is pretty recent for the most part. The Niners have been a storied franchise with a lot of great quarterbacks. So a lot of this will be very quarterback heavy, but I do think that after listening, of course, this is our opinion, but after listening that uh, you'll agree with, with a lot of these choices and how uh, it would have been interesting to see if an alternate scenario played out. So my first one on the list is what if the 49ers drafted Aaron Rodgers instead of Alex Smith? Um, now, Alex Smith did have a great season uh, at Utah. He was the number one overall pick. Um, Aaron Rodgers really wanted to be drafted by the 49ers. He grew up in the uh, in California. He grew up a 49ers fan. He also had a good a good career uh, at Cal Berkeley, but ultimately they passed on him because they thought he was arrogant when they interviewed him. <laughs> now Alex Smith did have some numbers. You actually have those numbers, right? What were uh, Alex Smith's numbers? I do. Thought? So I I do remember reading that that they did pass on him because they thought he was arrogant, which. He is. <laughs> I mean, as, as we've gotten to know Aaron Rodgers uh, over the last almost 20 years, we kind of know what, what we know what kind of guy he is. Um, but there was a couple of other factors, of course. Um, the first is that Alex Smith was had an incredible senior or junior season um, at Utah. He accounted for almost 4000 yards. Um, he had 3000 passing yards, 35 passing touchdowns, 700 rushing yards and 10 touchdown, 10 rushing touchdowns. So he was an incredible dual threat quarterback. Um, he was kind of everything that you were looking for in the modern day NFL quarterback. He was an athlete. He had good size. He was accurate. And all of those things translated, you know, to his pro career. 
Um, so it wasn't like they picked in an, an unknown or, you know, a nobody type quarterback. He, he had a, a pretty good resume. And the other factor was, I think that a lot of teams were starting to get scared of the Jeff Tedford quarterbacks. That was a, a starting to become a theme, right? So there's a couple other guys that were taken early um, that were quote, you know, coached by the quote unquote QB guru, Jeff Tedford um, guys like David Carr, Kyle Bowler, Joey Harrington, all these guys were top picks that ultimately flamed out. And people were starting to think, is Aaron Rodgers just another guy in that list? Is he another product of the Tedford system with some inflated numbers? And, you know, he's, he's a system quarterback. Uh, so that, that just to color the conversation as to why the Niners picked Alex Smith over Rodgers. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, a good summary. Um, I'll never believe any of the other reasons except that the brass thought he was arrogant. That's how I'm always going to view it. It's just poor judgment. It was arrogant. We don't want an arrogant <laughs> quarterback here. We are the franchise of Montana. <laughs> no arrogance here. Um, so, I mean, coincidentally, they had a shot at him last summer, too, in the summer of 2021. They could have just traded for him, uh, but they traded the farm for, for a rookie that I'll probably end up mentioning that a couple of times, the Trey Lance thing. Uh, so he played against the Niners uh, 12 times. He played in all 12 games, which goes between 2009 and 2021, which is, shows how healthy he's been throughout his career. Um, and he played five different quarterbacks uh, in those 12 games. Alex Smith, Troy Smith, Colin Kaepernick, Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, now, this he vowed to always... Uh, play really hard against the 49ers. He wanted to prove a point that they, his favorite team should have drafted him. Uh, and the funny part is he went six and six in those 12 games against the 49ers and 0 and four in the postseason, which is really the more jarring part of this. He lost to Alex Smith uh, a couple times. He lost to Colin Kaepernick. No, Alex Smith once, Colin Kaepernick twice. Uh, and then Jimmy Garoppolo in the NFC Championship game, where it was an absolute just bludgeoning. Uh, two times that year in the, I think, Sunday night football game. And then the same result where um, Raheem Mostert ran for a million yards. Uh, yeah, those, those weren't even competitive, either of those That's, games. Yeah. 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 And the one at Candlestick where Kaepernick ran for over 200 yards or close to 200 yards. So that, that's the, the amazing part is that he did, when he did play them, he didn't have his best games in the postseason. He had some great games in, in the regular season, though. Um, so long story short, I'll try to keep it short. Uh, Terry Donahue was the, G was the GM. He fired Steve Mariucci, and then uh, they fired him in 2005 because he hired Dennis Erickson. That didn't work with uh, Jeff Garcia and Tim Rattay. So Mike Nolan was hired, uh, but for whatever reason, ownership didn't draft the GM. So Mike Nolan drafts Alex Smith. Alex and Aaron Rodgers says, I will defeat you throughout my career. And now, to be fair, the quality of their draft picks were really quite good. They drafted Frank Gore in that time period, Patrick Willis, Vernon Davis, Michael Crabtree, up until uh, the end of that decade. And a lot of those guys became the core of the team during their peak when Jim Harbaugh inherited the team. So, but looking back, given that this franchise just has such a huge standard for quarterbacks, it's a huge miss. I mean, the Packers had Brett Favre in the early 90s, and then they went right into Aaron Rodgers. It's like almost 30 years of 
quarterback excellence, which is incredibly lucky. And the Niners missed like all, all pro level quarterback play. That's that's un, with no drop off is is completely unheard of. Every year, competitive. Every year, amazing Pro Bowl championship aspiration quarterback play every year. Um, even though Brett Favre, you know, just threw a million interceptions, he was still great every year. <laughs> so here's my what if scenario. I don't want to drag this on too long. The Niners draft Aaron Rodgers, and they win four Super Bowls at least with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't win one with Mike McCarthy's sure. <laughs> incompetence or even Matt LaFleur's incompetence, kicking field goals instead of letting the GOAT just go for it. He plays in the second year instead of waiting four years behind Brett Favre. Mike Nolan stays maybe an extra year, and the team gets some sort of quality head coach. I don't know who was out there at the time. NFL head coaches aren't uh, as sexy as, as NBA head coaches in terms of who is appealing. It could be anyone's yeah. offensive, defensive coordinator, whatever the case may be. But that's that's a pretty attractive job with Aaron Rodgers and Frank Gore and Patrick Willis. And, and they cetera, have cetera. Terrell Owens. Uh, maybe they keep Terrell Owens uh, at that point somehow. I think he ends up leaving like that year or the year before. Uh, he gets Terrell Owens in, in this beautiful scenario he ne- who, you know, never leaves the team because he's got Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't go to the Cowboys or the Eagles or wherever else he went. He famously butted heads with Jeff Garcia and any other quarterback he's played with. So. Yeah, he's just yeah. got Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he loves him to death because he feeds him the ball perfectly into his helmet every time he throws it to him. And he also doesn't go through this 49ers boogeyman buzzsaw that thwarted him four times in the postseason. The Niners always famously had I, as a kid, it's, I used to cry. The Niners lost to the Packers three years in a row in the postseason in the mid-90s. Uh, so this doesn't happen to him. He loses just one time like he did in, in, in our reality to Russell Wilson, like he did in Green Bay in 2014. But he still beats Pittsburgh. He beats New England instead of uh, Seattle playing and losing to New England. And Jim Harbaugh wins two Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so things play out a lot differently uh, if he just comes home to San Francisco. And I think that if he had come this season, it would have been an amazing season, given how Jimmy Garoppolo threw a pick in every game this year and they lost those games. Rodgers has been amazing this year at like 37 years old, 38 years old. Um, so that's my what if. If Aaron Rodgers came here, everything would have been peachy and, and the Hall of Fame-esque and uh, we get spoiled with another great quarterback. Yeah, and I think the the most the worst loss for, for Rodgers, I think, is uh, – in the playoffs at least was that 2014 year where Kaepernick and that team went into to Lambeau and they didn't, they didn't embarrass them the way they did last year, but uh, I mean, or not last year, but in 2019, but you could argue that the Niners were the better team um, in 2019 and 2012, but in, in 2013, I think the Packers were 14 and two um, and were you know, a Super Bowl favorite. So, all right. Okay. So I, I also had this one on my list. Um, this was, you know, number one for me as well. Um, and I think we agree that, you know, that definitely would have changed the fortunes of the 49ers, um, you know, over the, the course of the two thousands or the, you know, the mid two thousands. And then of course the 2010s, cause he's been around for that long. Okay. So, uh, the second one or number two on my list, I don't think you had this one on yours is, um, after the, 2014-15 season uh, where Jim Harbaugh commits the uh, you know unimaginable insult of going uh, eight and eight um, you know a few years after making a Super Bowl appearance 
the 49ers and Jim Harbaugh uh, mutually part ways uh, to use, you know, the organizational speak. Uh, but essentially what, what ownership decided was that they chose Trent Balky, the GM um, over Jim Harbaugh. Uh, so Balky is currently slumming it in, in Jacksonville, uh, ruining Trevor Lawrence's career. Uh, but after that season, it was one of perhaps the worst, maybe one of, if not, you know, one of, if not the worst offseason in NFL history, uh, where the 49ers lost, you know, franchise legends like Frank Gore to free agency, uh, Patrick Willis to early retirement, uh, right tackle Anthony Davis uh, retired temporarily and then came back. Uh, Justin Smith, who was an all pro level, you know, uh, three, four DN D tackle, jack of all trades. Uh, Michael Crabtree also departed. So um, it was just about as bad as you can get uh, that that summer, that off season. Uh, and on top of that, of course, instead of going out and hiring a real head coach with some real chops, they promote defensive line coach Jim Tom Sula as to the to the head coach position which, you know, was a disaster. It was a predicted disaster and it ended in disaster. I think they went five and 11 that year. Uh, so the what if scenario here is what if they decide to keep Jim Harbaugh instead of Trent Baalke, uh, who, you know, made some great picks, obviously, but also, you know, kind of derailed this team um, and chose to take apart uh, a team that was still a contender. So the question to you is, does Jim Harbaugh finally get over the hump and win a Super Bowl if uh, if he gets another chance with the Niners? Yeah, there's a lot of important context that kind of framed what ended up happening, right? Uh, Kaepernick, we came to learn later, was playing with a shoulder injury and he had surgery uh, right after that 8-8 eight and eight season. Um, and then Balky famously fires him, hires Chip Kelly and fires Chip Kelly and promotes that that uh, that. that Guy that looks like he divorced the uh, your divorced mom ends up dating Jim Topsula. It seems like a nice man, uh, but was way in over his head. I think Harbaugh needed another year or two. He seemed to know talent. He seems to be good at recognizing talent. Maybe you don't have this exodus of players leaving too. Um, I remember a lot of players leaving, but looking at it on paper, good God, I mean, it's like a, almost a dozen people left the team. I mean, I, I haven't done the math, but um, it sounds like double digit Pro Bowl appearances between those guys, maybe 20, you know, it, it, probably just Willis and Frank Gore alone. It's probably 20. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think Harbaugh figures it out. Um, they, 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 some, somewhere along the way that they, they figure it out. Maybe it takes a couple more years like Shanahan ended up doing anyway. But Balky has to be the one to go, not Jim Harbaugh. I think that's the what if is what if Jed York doesn't listen to Trent Balky? Because the thing with Trent Balky is you look at what happened in Jacksonville. I, I read Tim Kawakami a lot. He's not was not a fan of of Trent Balky and, and how he handled everything and how Jed York favored Balky is kind of like what we talked about in our Warriors episode that Don Nelson would survive the apocalypse. Trent Balky has survived the apocalypse. Urban Meyer is gone and Trent Balky is still there. Um, so I think that that is the, 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 the main thing that has to happen is Jed York has to favor Harbaugh over Trent Balky. Yeah. And, and I was a, an avid 49ers hater, you know, kind of still am, but uh, <laughs> you know, that Jim Harbaugh era was, was painful for, for us haters. Um, especially after, especially that 2013 season where uh, they're coming off the Super Bowl loss. 
which we'll get to, uh, to the Ravens. And I think, you know, in NFL history, it's a pretty clear trend that the Super Bowl loser usually has a down season. It's, it's even remarkable to make the playoffs after losing a Super Bowl just because of that, that heartbreak and, you know, everything associated with it. Uh, and instead of not making the playoffs, they go 12 and four and lose to Seattle on a, on a miracle, you know, interception uh, by, I think it was Malcolm Smith, the, the famous Richard Sherman Crabtree play. Uh, so he, he definitely knew what he was doing. And it's, it's kind of crazy to think that this guy who, you know, didn't have a losing season over four years, went to, you know, three conference championship games, went to the Super Bowl, lost his job and has not been back in the NFL since. Um, I mean, he hasn't had a great, uh, you know, time of it in Michigan. You know, he had one great season this year, um, but it, it's wild to think that nobody really kind of threw the bag at him to try to get him back in the NFL. Maybe they will this this offseason in 2022, but yeah. So that, that's the big what if for me. It's a good one. Yeah, and you did not have it on your list, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm glad you had it, though. All right. I think, I mean, you had some some of the other ones tie, tie back into it, so <laughs> we'll get to those. Um, all right. Uh, so, yeah, I'll pass it back over to you for your your number three. And so my, my number two is... I'm sorry, uh, your number two. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, all good. My, my number two is Steve Young's concussion. What if Steve Young... Uh, didn't retire immediately after the concussion that he decided to retire after getting um, in 1999. So what ha- I, I remember this game vividly as a kid. He Joe Montana's retirement ceremony of his uh, jersey number on a Monday night football game against the Cardinals. Um, someone on the Niners, I forget who, misses a block on Aeneas Williams, Hall of Famer, uh, who played for the Rams and the Cardinals, just cracks Steve Young into oblivion. Uh, he gets a concussion and then he decides to preserve his health and retire. Now it's pretty cut and dry. It was his seventh concussion at the time. I remember it only being his second or third, but after going back and looking into it, I read his book and he had had seven concussions in his career. So some of them probably just like weren't widely reported. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And given the way he played, right. He kind of like before Cam Newton, Steve Young was barreling into the opposing team's defense, and he was an excellent runner, one of the uh, the best in, in quarterback history, easily. Yeah, his his rushing numbers are still getting like his records are still being broken now, which shows yeah like how long they've held up, which is is pretty crazy in this era or compared yeah. to that era in the NFL. Yeah. So what ends up happening is he he retires. He still had some some good years in him, he, um, for sure. He retires, uh, but what if? Because when he retired, he, he noted that the Broncos offered him the starting job. They had just come off of going back-to-back with John Elway. Um, John Elway retired off into the sunset gloriously on a white horse. Uh, Terrell Davis, I, I believe, leaves that year. So they're like, well, we just had Elway for 15 years. Hey, Steve, I know you're thinking of retiring. Do you want to come here? And he goes, no, no, I, I'll, just, I'll just retire. It's okay. My, my health. But what if... Steve Young shamelessly says, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to play for the Broncos. They're really good. The Niners were okay that year. They had Terrell, a really young Terrell Owens. Um, they had a wide receiver core that was really elevated by his quarterback play. He goes to Denver, wins one more championship, and then shamelessly again retires 
into the sunset as well and goes, you know what? It's not going to get any better than here. I kind of look like a jerk because I retired and unretired, but I got another championship as a starting quarterback. See ya. <laughs> so that that elevates his place in history already, right? Um, but I, I mean, I, I do, I think that is a, it's a great what if. I think the one pushback I would have is that I, at that point, he was already, I think, 38 years old when he suffered that concussion. I know his like his career mileage, like the odometer on his career started really late because he didn't become a consistent starter until he turned 30. So the, the biological clock, so to speak, hadn't started yet. So or hadn't started till late in his career. Uh, so I don't know how much juice he had left in the tank at that point. He did come off a Pro Bowl season at, at 37. But we've seen how quickly guys can kind of nosedive. Uh, so that that's my one pushback <laughs> there. I think he has the Peyton Manning uh, 2015 season. Nine touchdowns, 17 interceptions, and wins the chip on an ugly, ugly season. <laughs> yeah, on the back of a, a great running game and a great defense. And, uh, you know, my then. But the, to me, Mike Shanahan gets another, t- uh, gets another Super Bowl, and I, I could stomach the thought of that. So I'm glad this didn't happen. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll jump back in. So for me, after my number three, um, this is, I think this is going to become a theme with me is, is reaching way back in the time machine. Um, I won't bore you too much with, with the facts on this one, but I thought this was a really interesting uh, crux moment, uh, you know, in the, in the history of, of this franchise um, because it sets up, everything else the next you know three four decades after that so um after the 1977 season uh the current uh, san francisco 49ers gm man by the name of joe thomas trades you know the farm to buffalo for a washed up oj simpson so he ends up sending you know i think it was five picks uh he sent a second and a third a first and a fourth and a second <laughs> so just an absurd haul uh, like a Herschel Walker, Ricky Williams type deal for a running back that was, you know, at, on his last legs. That same offseason, he releases Jim Plunkett, uh, former Heisman Trophy winner, uh, Raiders legend, who would go on to win two two Super Bowls with the Raiders. So he gets rid of a great quarterback the same summer that he, you know, trades for OJ. OJ ends up sucking, of course. He's not a good quarterback or a good running back at that point. The Niners go through two horrible seasons, and this opens the door for Bill Walsh and the Bill Walsh era and everything that that comes with that. Uh, And an an interesting nugget on Bill Walsh is that he was very close to becoming the Cincinnati Bengals head coach, uh, but the the owner uh, chose another coach instead. So that was a nice what-if moment in Bill Walsh's career. Uh, So he could have been the one winning that Super Bowl in the late 80s over the Niners. Uh, yeah, so that that's a little historical one. I don't know if you had any thoughts on this one because this is way back in the time machine. Yeah, I, I know that OJ came home uh, to play in San Francisco, but I wasn't familiar with where he was at in his career in terms of his form. His seasons weren't amazing. Like you said, he was washed up, but the Niners were also not a great team either. So I, I, I attributed some of that judgment to maybe the team wasn't that great in addition to a running back with a lot of miles on him. Yeah, he was coming off a seven-game season uh, where he rushed for 
150 yards and no touchdowns. Yeah, <laughs> so, he rushed for 100 yards though in five games. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah, I guess it's just uh, you know he's a 30 year old running back in the 1970s, so uh, he wasn't going anywhere. So I know you did not have this one on your list, so I will I'll pass it back to you for your your number three. So they do, don't trade for OJ, then maybe they have a shot at uh, maybe a little more success is, is what you're saying. Yeah. So the what if scenario is, you know, what if they don't trade for OJ, then they don't end up with Bill Walsh. They don't get Joe Montana. They don't get Steve Young, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. <laughs> they don't rule the 80s. They just <laughs> basically yeah. it's 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 kind of like the Warriors one with, you know, uh, if they trade Steph, you know, it's kind of the opposite scenario. <laughs> Yeah. It's like a, fa- a massive failure by uh, an incompetent GM sets up, you know, 20 years of success. So, so who knew? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's poetic. Um, so thanks OJ. <laughs> yes. Thank you OJ for phrasing, careful phrasing. phrasing. <laughs> yeah. So my number three is what if the 49ers drafted or signed Tom Brady because they had similar to Aaron Rodgers, two opportunities to do this. They had a shot at him in the 2000 draft and the 2020 off season. And it's just funny how many connections there are in this one too. Uh, he's from the Bay area. He grew up here. He went to Sarah high school, an old boys, private high school in San Mateo. Um, there's a big failure in, in not signing him in retrospect because uh, the Niners did draft a quarterback in the 2000 draft. Uh, in the round after Tom Brady. That's the hilarious part. Uh, he was drafted famously in the sixth round. He was the 199th overall pick of the draft. Uh, they ended up drafting Tim Rattay in the seventh round. And the reason why is they actually had a sixth round pick. They traded it to the Chicago Bears. Uh, for the, the Bears traded for the Niners sixth and seventh round pick. And the Bears ended up wisely using that pick on wide receiver Frank Murphy. They waved him in August. They didn't even keep the damn player. (laughs) (laughs) The Niners draft Tim Rattay, the Patriots get what we now know is the the greatest quarterback uh, ever. So miss out on the the hometown boy. Um, They also miss out on him again after his contract expires with New England. He was a free agent, so you didn't have to give up anything for him. They look at him and go, you know, we're good. (laughs) <laughs> keep Jimmy Garoppolo who had been hurt a couple times already. They know who the guy is. Uh, they don't, they don't trade for Brady. Uh, they have an, a, 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 a poor season after that riddled with, with injuries, especially to the quarterback. Um, he wins a Super Bowl. <laughs> this, the, the year he's signed with a good, a good set of receivers and a good championship, uh, a good defense, defensive championship. So they miss out on him drafting him to miss out on him as a free agent so i have two what if scenarios for this because of that before i go into them do you have any any thoughts on this so far so the the draft one you know it (laughs) it's like what if any team had drafted him right i mean it's it's just such a remarkable story it's not just that he was like a second or third or fourth parent pick he was you know a sixth round pick um so that you could use that for every team but they're the only ones that he had that, uh, you know, local connection. He's a Niners fan growing up, et cetera, et cetera. But so was Jared Goff. So you don't necessarily draft the guy 
that's a fan of your team growing up. Uh, but the more, the bigger one, of course, is, is choosing Jimmy Garoppolo uh, over him, you know, this uh, a couple off seasons ago, I think it, it seemed like a pretty clear cut scenario. Some of the rumors were, you know, they would send Jimmy back to uh, new England for uh, a low round pick third or fourth, basically just to get off his contract. Um, and New England was reportedly, you know, more than happy to take Jimmy G back because they know the guy and they, they knew what he was capable of. Um, they probably felt that they could get the best out of him. And I don't know if necessarily Brady elevates that Niners roster the way he does with, you know, Tampa Bay, who had, you know, an incredible, you know, uh, list of offensive weapons. But at the same time, you know, he also brings some talent with him. You know, people follow the goat. They want to they want to ring chase. He gets, you know, maybe not Antonio Brown, but he brings Gronk with him. And just imagine a, an offense that has, you know, Rob Gronkowski and, and, and George Kittle uh, terrorizing linebackers and safeties. So uh, it's an interesting thought. And they very well could have been, you know, one of the favorites in the NFC. And they probably would have been with with Brady. Yep, hundred percent. I, I agree with that. That that was a a mouthwatering combination because Gronk would have followed him out of retirement just to block for him anyway. Anywhere, it seems. Yeah, like. basically anywhere that wasn't New England. He's like, I'll I'll come out of retirement, stop doing wrestling, and I'll come play football again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I have two what if scenarios. I think if they draft him, it's hard seeing them winning six Super Bowls. I just think that's just a rare, a freaking freak show of a of an event. It, he was pretty raw early. Uh, he benefited tremendously with that legendary defense uh, with Willie McGinnis and all those other menacing uh, uh, Mike Vrabel and all those just menaces that they had in the 2000s. Um, young quarterbacks don't usually inherit, you know, a top five defense of all time. As soon as I mean, they stopped the greatest show on turf the first season he played. It's just incredible. Unless they're like Ben Roethlisberger or something. Yeah, maybe you're Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. <laughs> So he probably takes a few years, but he does have possessed that greatness in him. So he takes a few years and he wins three Super Bowls with the 49ers. Uh, but I don't know if they keep him, but he wins three somewhere along the way. He also gets Terrell Owens, by the way, uh, in his like second or third year in the NFL. So before waiting until 2007 to get Randy Moss, his first elite wide receiver, he get a Hall of Fame level, amazing top wide receiver. He gets T.O., who's also in that pantheon of greatest wide receivers from the get-go um, so that that would have been fun now the second what if scenario is the Niners just sign him and they trade Jimmy G away hilarious full circle connection given their New England days with Jimmy and, and Tom Brady uh, would have been a lot easier than trading away the farm for Trey Lance who's only made one start and is going to make his second tomorrow at the time of this podcast so you get a Brady that still evidently has some good years left in his 40s he's playing in the bay where he grew up the defense is really good. They replicate Tampa Bay's first year success and they win an additional second Super Bowl uh, as well. I mean, it's, it's hard to argue against that. You, We could have maybe made the case if he hadn't won a Super Bowl in Tampa, basically taken a wild card team and made them into the, the best team in the NFL. Uh, so yeah, it's it's hard to argue against that. And the the irony is, I think a lot of teams or a few teams reportedly passed on, on signing Tom Brady. I think Tennessee was, was reportedly in the mix and they chose Ryan Tannehill, uh, which is like a double insult because Mike Rabel 
you know, built his career as a, you know, uh, catching touchdown passes from, <laughs> from Tom Brady, uh, in addition to being an incredible linebacker. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting thought. And I think if, if you're the 49ers, especially if the Trey Lance, you know, era doesn't go well, I think you look back on it and wonder, you know, we could have had the goat on our team for a few years and then, you know, started the rebuild process, um, you know, kind of later in the, the Shanahan Lynch, uh, you know, a contractor experience. Yep. Agree hundred percent. Okay. So uh, my number four, which uh, I know we both have on our list, I believe you have this as your uh, number three. Is that right? No, you also have it as number four. Yep. Um, and the big one is what if the San Francisco 49ers beat the Ravens in the 2012 Super Bowl? Uh, so this was the game that's most famously known for uh, the, the power going out after the halftime show uh, and causing a, you know, a lengthy delay uh, in that game. Uh, the game came down to the final possession with the uh, Ravens coming up with uh, one of the great goal line stands in Super Bowl and NFL history uh, to clinch uh, their second Super Bowl uh, in their history. So I know you as the Niner fan, I think you went down a, uh, uh, a crazy rabbit hole, <laughs> so to speak, of, of scenarios. And I know you uh, tortured yourself by watching that last drive a couple times. Uh, so I'm going to pass this one to you. I think, like like I said, we have uh, we're agreeing we're we're in agreement that this is the number four moment. So I'm going to pass this one to you. Yeah, I, I actually combined this one with the Seahawks NFC Ch NFC Championship game because of how similar the ending of both of those games was. It came down to the very end. Uh, the Ravens Super Bowl, amazing year in general. Kaepernick takes the job from Alex Smith. He misses a game due to a concussion. They put him out on Monday Night Football against the Bears, who were prepared to stop a running quarterback, and he just runs and passes all over them. And, and Harbaugh famously said, I'm rolling with the hot hand. Kaepernick takes them all the way uh, to the Super Bowl. So it ends up being the two brothers as head coaches, uh, which was already pretty remarkable. Um, so that Ravens Super Bowl, yes, it goes down to the very end. I was watching it. They go down early, the power goes out, they get back into the game. And on this last drive, they just march down the field, which is what everyone expected. They were just such an incredible offense that year. Frank Gore gets them to into the five, the five-yard line or so on a huge run. They go four straight passing plays. I think it feels like all of them went to Michael Crabtree and they turn it over on downs. Um, so before Seattle throws the interception a couple of years ago at the goal line in the Super Bowl, I feel like this was the, we should have ran the damn ball and passed it off to Frank Gore at least one time before attempting uh, a bunch of passes to the same receiver. So my Not even just turn around and hand the ball to, to Frank Gore. Like you have one of the great running quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Why aren't you using that, that, that as a weapon in that situation, you know? Sure. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I was thinking for, the what if here and they're kind of just galaxy brain meme like options you know uh michael so what if scenarios are michael crabtree makes a spectacular catch because they were thrown into pretty tight coverage each time they weren't great throws uh, uh another option is the refs call pass interference for a fresh set of downs at least two of those throws had pass interference on them but 
Usually at the end of games in any sport, the referees swallow their whistles. Uh, another is Cap picks a different damn receiver. He had Randy Moss out there. He had Brendan Davis out there. He could have picked somebody else. Even old feet. Randy Moss is a, is a hell of a red zone jump ball threat. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's no coincidence that, you know, he had still had a good year. Uh, he was pretty washed at that, at that point. Uh, or run the ball with Cap or Frank Gore. Don't overcomplicate it. Do that, and you're the champs. Any thoughts there? So the the scenario, I mean, looking back and going back and, and looking at the the list of plays and the way the sequence it went, uh, <laughs> the interesting decision, you know, on first and goal from the seven, uh, you hand off to LaMichael James instead of Frank Gore. I know Frank Gore had just broken off a big run. He probably needed a breather. Um, so that that was an interesting decision. You know, maybe take a timeout, um, you know, after that uh, that big run. I know they probably didn't want to leave too much time on the clock for uh, uh, for Baltimore if they had scored, but you know, scoring is the more important thing there. Um, and then, of course, you know, so the the short short handoff to Michael James, and then three straight passes, three straight incompletions. Uh, so it's it's a pretty clear cut situation where, like you said, they galaxy brained it, they overthought it. Uh, but they didn't have any ulterior motives. It wasn't like they didn't want Kaepernick to win the, the MVP or Frank course. So yeah, he just, they get, sometimes these NFL coaches get cute. And in this situation, that's, that's exactly what they did. Yes, completely. And, I, and the reason why I, I tied this in with the Seattle NFC championship game is we talked about Harbaugh. And I think there's just a lot of uh, <clears throat> historical ramifications uh, as a result of these, the, the, what actually happened. So the Seattle rivalry was intense. The games here in the Bay Area were close. Uh, whenever the Niners would go to CenturyLink Field, they'd take a pretty good thumping just because it was loud, <laughs> which still holds true. If the, if the fans in Seattle make noise, the Niners will lose the game, except for one time uh, in, the, in the last Super Bowl uh, appearance they had at the goal line, by the way. <laughs> like it, they were going to lose again, a miraculous goal line stand. Uh, so once again, championship uh, prospects beat they beat uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, in the, in, a, in a wild card game, uh, and then once again the the game ends on a play to Michael Crabtree, just like it did in the Super Bowl. It was first and ten on that play, and they took a shot. It was into triple coverage. <laughs> the throw is pretty good, uh, but Sherman makes a hell of a play to swat it for the interception. They had two timeouts. <laughs> so they had a lot of options instead of taking a shot in triple coverage. So my what ifs are the check down to Frank Gore on first down. He gained six yards. He runs it out of bounds. Second down, Cap runs for nine yards. He gets to a first down and leaves a timeout with 11 seconds left at the five, just like the year before with the Ravens. They're stuck at the five yard line. But this time they run a play action pass. Cap hits Vernon Davis in the end zone to tie it. They kick the extra point. They play the Pats in the Super Bowl like everyone thought they were that year. And they go back to back on this scenario that I've created. Thoughts? So this was actually the – so two things. Uh, this has quickly uh, devolved into some 49ers fan fiction here, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I respect. Uh, I know, like I said, you went down that rabbit hole of the what-if scenario and you – uh, you know, got very excited, but this was actually the year. Um, so the, the, the Seahawks went on to beat the, the Broncos in like an awful Super Bowl. 
Oh, right. Um, I had him galaxy brain myself here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this was, they, they beat him 43 to eight. The game was over on the first, first offensive drive of the game for the Broncos. I think the center snaps yeah. it over Peyton Manning's yeah. head and it's, it's game over. Um, you know, there was a safety, it wasn't a game over, but you know, it was just a complete bludgeoning by the Seahawks and, you know, the, to touch back on the, on the, the rivalry that these two teams had, I think what, what made it a really great rivalry is that these two teams were such a mirror image of each other. And it was, you know, like they say in boxing styles, make fights and they had the right style. It wasn't like the Niners were finesse and the Seahawks were, you know, the aggressive team. It was two, you know, power running teams with mobile athletic quarterbacks, incredible defenses with, you know, big physical linebackers and safety. It was just, it was basically, like I said, the mirror image of each other. And that's what made these, these games so exciting um, and thrilling. Even, like I said, as a Niners hater, you know, and a uh, Seahawks bandwagoner at the time uh, made those games so great. And I think it's, you can, with, with a pretty good degree of confidence that if, if they beat Seattle, they, they do the same thing to Denver. They just wash Denver. If I'm not mistaken, they had played Denver that year and beat them, but I, I, I'll need to double check that. But yeah, so that's a good one. And then of course, if they win that Super Bowl, even after losing the Baltimore one, you know, Jim Harbaugh is not going anywhere for a long time. Exactly. And that's, and that's kind of the legacy portion of it. Winning does so much for everybody. Look at, you know, Mike McCarthy, uh, John Harbaugh, who still has a job. Um, I'm not saying that he's a bad coach. Mike Tomlin, also not a bad coach, but um, you, you, winning does a lot. Even if you're Je- Jeff Fisher, I think had like a couple of good years and he's stuck around forever. So winning just does a lot for, for a coach and for a quarterback. Look at, you know, how Trent Dilfer, Flacco himself, Nick Foles, uh, Troy Aikman, you look back in, in, in retrospect, was a good quarterback. But, you know, you could look at you look at some of the numbers guys put up now and it wasn't much. So winning just does so much. Ultimately, not a knock on Troy Aikman again. Don't kill me. Anyone listening. Just, <laughs> winning. Just get Cowboys fans mad at us. This is what I'm trying to say. He was great. OK, he was great. So anyways. What it could have meant for Cap and Harbaugh is, you know, just an amazing duo together having a two-year run like that where they win one or, or two championships. As long as you look good in, in losing or if you win, you know, you're immortal. You're, you're in, in, the, in that upper echelon of, of, of history. So for Harbaugh, he doesn't get fired, does whatever the hell he wants instead of bulky. And then for Cap, maybe even if he gets hurt, they keep him because of you know, what they believe he can do. And you saw what happened when he started kneeling and, uh, and, and what that ended up doing is winning just gives you more credibility, even if you aren't credible. He wasn't the perfect messenger for that, regardless of how great he was. But as a winner, yeah. that just changes how people view you. You can't make that argument that ah, he's washed anyway. He had a bad year because he didn't have a great year when he was. Uh, yeah, I mean, because of the injury and during that. that stuff, he had the injury. Yeah. You're great. Again, winning always softens all of that stuff. Bill Russell, when he was in his civil rights movement, no one could say shit to Bill Russell or Jim Brown. They're immortals, regardless of Absolutely. how they felt at the time about what they were doing. They're immortals because they were great and they won. Jim Brown didn't exactly. win. It was just amazing. It was just a, a, a yeah, the best running back in the NFL. You know, top five all time, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah and awesome. I think 
that that is i mean aside from the um you know on the field aspect of it where you know maybe kaepernick is is i don't know about maybe not till now but he has an extended run as a 49ers quarterback he gets more uh you know a longer uh grace period to recover from that shoulder injury because you know he's he's getting beat down in these uh these playoff runs so it's it's not unexpected that he would need some time to recover um, and it's it's like you said, right? Winning kind of cures everything. And there's such a long list of Super Bowl losing quarterbacks that you know it's it's impossible to mention everybody. Jimmy Garoppolo lost the Super Bowl. You know what, what's his place in history? It, it doesn't matter. You know, um, so if he goes from you know Super Bowl you know losing quarterback to Super Bowl winning quarterback, like you said, he gets so much credibility. And you know, unfair or not he gets so much more credibility in the eyes of the media in the eyes of fans that may not necessarily agree with his message. And he probably would have won over a lot more 49ers fans, maybe not to his cause, but at least would have been more accepting of, of his protest and, and what he was doing because, you know, it, selfishly, they would have been like, well, this guy won us the Super Bowl. We don't want to get rid of him, you know, do your thing, protest, do what you want, you know, but we, we're not getting rid of you because you won us the Super Bowl, and you can probably do it again, um, given the right team. So, at the time, you know, I was very happy to see the 49ers lose that Super Bowl <laughs> in that NFC Championship game. But I think, you know, given the cost, um, you know, and the impact it's had to to Kaepernick's message, uh, I would gladly have have accepted a, a, a Niners Super Bowl for his message to stick and and to you know expand its reach. Yeah. And ultimately, the what, kind of the wild card what if outcome of that is he just still has a job. He doesn't get exiled from the league, regardless of what, what, you, what you feel about this particular thing is the idea is he just keeps playing. It does. That's kind of the, the, the gist of it. Yeah. Whether it's San Francisco or, or anywhere else, you know, yeah, he is the there's so many guys like him now in the NFL, you know, making a living. You see Josh Allen, you see. The Kyle, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, all these guys that are not run first quarterbacks, but it's like, you know, running is kind of option one a or one B. Uh, so it's, it's sad to see what, what his career has become as a result. So. All right. So my number five is uh, it goes back to the Steve Young, Joe Montana controversy. So what if Steve Young won the job over Joe Montana in the 1988 season? So Bill Walsh trades for Steve Young from Tampa Bay. Um, and Joe Montana was kind of injury riddled, even though he had already won two championships, it, it kind of went out in the playoffs the year before figured, okay, I kind of need to plan for the future. Bill Walsh was very strategic. He was just as a GM and as a coach, he was very good. Um, so co coincidentally, kind of like now he plays them together a little bit in that 1988 season of how Shanahan has been initially staggered Garoppolo and Trey Lance, but the season didn't start out well. They start off six and five. Uh, so Bill Walsh says, okay, this shit isn't working. So he starts Montana permanently for the rest of the year. Montana wins the Super Bowl against Cincinnati, executes the drive, you know, famously to beat Cincinnati. And then they repeat as champions against Denver the following year uh, in a total lopsided Super Bowl. So obviously it worked out. Bill Walsh made the right decision. So no one's objecting that the right thing didn't happen. In this case, we're just exploring what ifs, right? That's the goal here. So my what if is, oh, by the way, 
if those that don't know, Montana hurts his elbow in 1991. So just a year after beating Denver, he get he he gets hurt. He doesn't get traded away till 1993 to play for your two seasons uh, in Kansas City. So my what if is Steve Young comes out hot in the 1988 in the 1988 season. He wins the job for Montana. Montana gets traded to Kansas City earlier. They beat Denver to play the Niners in the Super Bowl in 89. And Joe beats Steve Young because the universe has to function right. Montana still needs to win <laughs> super, a Super Bowl that year. <laughs> so he, he beats Steve. Uh, and then Kansas City wins way before Pat Mahomes in this poetic scenario beats the Niners. But Steve Young goes on to win two championships, 1995 and 1996. Thoughts? So this one, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> the funny thing is, of course, Joe Montana getting traded to the Chiefs. Um, and, you know, he is for a long time the best quarterback in their franchise history. Uh, you know, <laughs> maybe Len Dawson or some other guys back in, in, in the black and white days. Um, but this is an interesting one because it, it there's some parallels between um, you know the the Kaepernick and uh, Alex Smith situation, and then you know perhaps now I mean well, definitely not the same with uh, you know uh, Jimmy G and, and Trey Lance, but it seems like that the 49ers have a history of having an established quarterback in place and then drafting a young guy who who you know goes out and wins the job, uh, but of course it didn't work out quite that way. Um, for, for Steve Young. But I think the interesting question is, does this catapult Steve Young as the best quarterback in Niners history? Does he become the, the standard? Because for a while, you know, Tom Brady's being measured against Joe Montana as the, the two greatest quarterbacks because of everything they've done. And, you know, they're, they're the winning and the rings with all disease. Um, so does that Catapult Steve Young, is he the best quarterback in, in Niners history if he wins the job? And, and is this winning quarterback in that Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, if if he takes Montana's place and wins a couple of Super Bowls instead, that does change the outlook. Montana still has those two. So he ends up winning three ultimately. Steve Young wins four instead. Uh, I think so. I think so. Because the Niners have those classic uniforms and that quarterback prestige. Maybe Brady's compared to both of them. I don't know, but uh, we could start a whole other podcast on <laughs> who, who's who is better in this alternate multiverse scenario. <laughs> Maybe we could save that, yeah, for the hot take show. Uh, but yeah, I definitely, if that is the case, then you know Steve Young becomes the the measuring stick rather than Joe Montana, and that's that's an interesting thought for sure. Yep. Okay, I did not have that one on my list. So, uh, but it's funny that that you went. I mean, you you didn't go as far back as I did in the late seventies, but that's you know still 30, 30 plus years ago uh, <laughs> that we're talking about here. So, uh, but yeah, that is an interesting. You guys just have gotten so lucky with your quarterbacks. I mean, you had a, a lean period in the early two thousands, but uh, it's a pretty remarkable run that uh, you know Bill Walsh was able to steal. Steve Young away from an incompetent franchise. And I think that's going to be a theme in a lot of our, uh, our <laughs> pods here is just, you know, good teams, good organizations, just robbing bad ones. Um, and that's exactly what he did. <laughs> All right. So uh, my number five uh, is what if 
the 49ers draft Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson in the 2017 NFL draft. So to color this, you know, this kind of ties into our number four about beating the Ravens and the, uh, the, the Seahawks in the NFC championship game, because they, they choose to basically move on from Colin Kaepernick after a poor season where he was dealing with injury. Uh, and they go into the uh, 2017 season with Brian Hoyer as their starting quarterback and end up choosing Stanford defensive tackle uh, Solomon Thomas. Solomon Thomas. And the funny thing is they draft him and they choose to play him out of position. So great job, 49ers. Uh, but they have had a great track record of drafting defensive linemen. So it's, you know, you're, you can't win them all. You get DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa. And then, you know, the ugly duckling, so to speak, is, is Solomon Thomas, um, who's having a bit of a, a resurgence with the Raiders. But to go back to <laughs> the, the question, you know, the skipping on Patrick Mahomes. Sure. I get it. A lot, a lot of teams had him as a late first rounder, early second round. He's a Texas tech quarterback. We all know that they just put up bonkers numbers because of that system. Um, and he was kind of an enigma, right? So credit Kansas city and Andy Reed for, for identifying his skills and giving him time to develop and turning him into, you know, perhaps the best quarterback in the NFL right now. But passing on Deshaun Watson is really the inexcusable part. You know, uh, off-field issues that have come to light aside, he is, you know, I think unquestionably a top five NFL quarterback, you know, when, when active. Um, he was coming off a season, uh, you know, where he combined for or accounted for 5,000 yards, 50 total touchdowns, uh, and, you know, turned Clemson from kind of an also ran into uh, a perennial contender for the college football championship. So uh, I think the, the saving grace here is at least they didn't draft Mitchell Trubisky, uh, which would have been an even bigger disaster. But the, the what if scenario is, you know, what if they, instead of, you know, overthinking it and drafting a defensive lineman and going the veteran quarterback route, what if they drafted Deshaun Watson? with uh with that third or fourth overall pick oh that would have been amazing right uh they <laughs> they again galaxy brain i think this this current regime has done a poor job in the early rounds of drafting players they trick scare the bears into t- that oh we, we might take mitch you should uh take our our pick because we might take mitch and they go no no we want mitch um uh, <laughs> and they end up wasting the opportunity by drafting solomon thomas I'm not using him right because he had one good bowl game at Stanford. Uh, and then they drafted Ruben Foster, who had off-the-field concerns, and then, you know, burned them anyway by continuing to have off-the-field concerns. So they took a gamble on a great player who just, you know, was too not, not fit to play professional football because of his off-field concerns. So uh, huge miss, huge miss. They, they, they've done well in middle rounds, but this was bad. This was really bad. Yeah, and, and the irony is, if you look at the type of quarterback that Trey Lance is or the, the type of quarterback that they hope he will become, and that's Deshaun Watson, right? They've both got good size. Uh, I think Trey Lance is a little bit bigger, uh, but they're both, you know, big, strong athletes. They've got big arms. You know, they're, they're accurate. But the difference is, you know, Trey Lance played at North Dakota State in the FCS, and you know, Deshaun Watson played at the highest level of, of college football and won. 
Uh, I mean, I don't believe that that wins are quarterback stat, but you know, that has to count for something. Um, and it's, it's remarkable. I mean, obviously they weren't the only team that passed on him. Deshaun Watson ended up going 12th overall. Uh, there's some notable misses ahead of him. Um, and a lot of teams that I'm sure are kicking themselves. I mean, obviously they're, ki- they're kicking themselves or missing out on Mahomes, but at least they can justify that. We didn't know what this guy was, but we knew what Deshaun Watson was. It was a no brainer type pick. And even Cleveland, you know, they got a great player in Miles Garrett, who's the face of the franchise. But, you know, if we do a redraft, which we will at some point, you know, there's a very good case for Deshaun Watson, um, of course, with the, <laughs> the huge caveat of his off field, uh, you know, alleged dis- you know, indiscretions uh, as, as the number one pick in this draft. So, yeah, that, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago where we get the 10, 20 year um, you know, multiverse where he's the the face of the 49ers for, you know, a decade plus, but it is uh, a very good thing to think about or a very you know big thing to think about in the last five years of, of the NFL history. Yep. I, 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 I agree completely. I think that, uh, I mean, he beat the Bill Belichick of college football. That's what it took to beat Saban was that, that was an incredible run. He went on to beat Saban. So yeah, you, it sounds really stupid, right? When you spell it out, he beat Saban. What do you mean you passed on him and you needed a quarterback? Yeah, I mean he went toe to toe and lost. He beat the he beat Alabama, the you know the freight train that is the the current state of Alabama. And yeah, it's just all these teams just overthought it. And it's not like he was too small. It's not like he was you know uh, didn't have uh, the resume or went to a small school. Um, you know it probably it, it maybe brings up the larger conversation about the way black quarterbacks are evaluated. Uh, you know, you would hope that that's not as big of a conversation as it is now given who the, the best quarterbacks in the NFL are at this point, but you know, uh, unconscious or implicit bias is still a, a thing. So uh, uh, yeah, so that that's it for our list. Uh, did you have any honorable mentions? I had a few just fun little ones. <laughs> I actually have one uh, that, in my head, I didn't write it down, but it, it's a good honorable mention. I'll let, I'll let you go. I'll let you start. Okay. So I have uh, three honorable mentions. One is uh, Jerry Rice. What if he was a Dallas Cowboy? So in that draft, the, the, the Dallas Cowboys were reportedly eyeing him, I believe, with the 17th pick uh, in the draft. And the 49ers drafted up to you know, snatch him away from their uh, bitter rivals so the perhaps the greatest football player of all time is not wearing red and gold. He's wearing blue and silver or blue and white, which is uh, kind of gross to think about. No, no. <laughs> Boo. Boo this one. Uh, the other one is uh, what if Kyle Williams does not fumble twice in the 2011 uh. NFC Championship game? Uh, this is another one that uh, it's not a guarantee that the, the 49ers would go on to win the Super Bowl. Uh, they would have played a 13 and three uh, New England Patriots team. Uh, but they did have the, the horses, so to speak, to, to challenge uh, Brady and to harass him the way that, uh, you know, the Giants defense did. They didn't they had instead of Alden Smith or instead of uh, Osu Yumanura, you have Alden Smith, you have Justin Smith, you have Ray McDonald, you know, so you have pass rushers that could have gone after him. Um, so 
it's not a hundred percent like the way I think the the Denver Super Bowl would have been, but it's it's definitely a, a question. Um, and then the last one is more of a legacy thing. I don't think it changes anything um, overall. But what if they had won the 1990 NFC Championship game? Uh, they ended up losing to the New York Giants, um, who went on to win. Uh, to beat Buffalo in the famous wide right game. Um, and they would have been the only team in NFL history to three-peat. So technically the Packers did it in the late late 60s, but one of those titles was a uh, NFL championship game, not a Super Bowl. So if you want to you know, nitpick here, they would have been really the only team to, to three-peat. So. Yeah, that was just Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells just mucking things up like they did for – their whole time in football. Belichick did it to Joe Montana and Bill Walsh. He did it to um, the greatest show on turf. He did it to the Rams a few years ago, just defensive masterclasses throughout his career. Yeah. And Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas, they were their uh, victims at that time. (laughs) Yep. All right. What was your honorable mention? Oh, the Kyle Williams one. (laughs) Oh man. I'm sorry to bring that up. Painful. <laughs> Abud is 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 going to be so happy. He's not has no sympathy for my pain. <laughs> you know, I, I gotta say the the Niners and Giants that is a kind of underrated NFL rivalry. Yeah, you know they've had. I mean the 90, 1990 NFC title game that was Niners Giants. Uh, this one, the Kyle Williams. They had the famous uh, trade Junkin. Uh, you know, <laughs> game. I think that was early 2000s the fact that i know the guy's name (laughs) the long snapper you know who who messed that up and the famous blown call and all that so uh yeah that's and they've had other battles before that so that's a that's a like i said underrated nfl rivalry unfortunate all right so i think we can do a quick recap why don't you give us your your five and then i'll come right back with mine sure so my five is what if the niners drafted aaron Rodgers over alex smith what if Steve Young uh, shamelessly did not retire after getting concussed and took the starting job with the Denver Broncos. Uh, What if the 49ers drafted Tom Brady or signed him in his latest free agency? Uh, What if the Niners beat the Ravens and or Seahawks in the Super Bowl and NFC championships? And what if Steve Young won the quarterback job over Joe Montana in 1988? All right. And my top five. So there's some significant overlap here. Again, uh, number one, what if they drafted Aaron Rodgers over Alex Smith in 2005? What if they kept Jim Harbaugh uh, over Trent Baalke uh, after the 2014-15 season? What if the 49ers do not trade for OJ Simpson in the late 1970s? What if the uh, Niners beat the Ravens in the, uh, the Super Bowl? And what if they make the right choice and draft uh, Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes and or Patrick Mahomes <laughs> uh, over Solomon Thomas uh, in the 2017 NFL draft? All right. So that's it for our show. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, be sure to, to follow us on, on all social platforms. Uh, check us out anywhere you can find podcasts on Spotify, Apple, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we've got a ton more content. We're going to try to cover all the NFL teams, all the NBA teams. And uh, if you have any suggestions, let us know and we'll, we'll deep dive and, and nerd out right along with you. All right. Thanks for your time today. So I appreciate it. Right on, man. This was fun. Thanks, everyone. Player, give me some brew and I might just chill, but I'm the type that likes to light another.
like Cypress Hill. I still do be spit loogies when I puff on it. I got some bucks on it, but it ain't enough on it. Go get the S, the T, I, D, E, S. Nevertheless, I'm hella fresh, rolling like a cigarette. So pass it across the table like ping pong. I'm gone, beating my chest like King Kong. And so wrap my lips around the phony. And when it comes to getting another stogie, fools all kick in like Shinobi.